welcome to the More Conversations podcast held by the Andrew Young Center for Global Leadership at Morehouse College. My name is Nicholas Cummings, and today I have a very special guest with us, Corey Smith. Corey Smith is the former Vice President of Talent and Opportunity Hub, a venture ecosystem providing opportunities for entrepreneurship, business, and employment for minorities, students, and underrepresented individuals across the country. He's aware of many different hats with a plethora of leadership experience at multiple businesses and an alumni of Louisiana State University. So without any further ado, Corey Smith, everyone. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for sharing your time with us. Really appreciate it. So no problem. the way I want to start this interview off pretty much is just tell us a little bit about your background, about what you do and what shaped your ideas and your motivation for creating opportunities within the community? Yep. So a little bit about myself. Um, When I came out of school, um, I went straight into finances. Um, I did mortgages uh, for about eight years. um, And two or three of those eight years, I, I started my own company. I started off working for large companies like Countrywide, who's no longer, um, Ameriquest and uh, different mortgage companies. Um, And then um, I partnered with uh, a friend of mine and we started a mortgage company called Echelon. We did that until uh, the economy crashed and the economy crashed around the mortgage industry. So it affected uh, us tremendously. Um, Did really well right out of school um, doing that. But I knew at that time, because I've already, you know, was married, I had uh, three kids, that it was... I needed to find something that was going to be a little bit more sustainable. Um, So still in the vein of finances, I got into banking. Um, I started off in banking, uh, doing uh, business banking, um, merchant services, treasury, um, different products. And then my final role in banking was uh, the VP of business development for PNC Bank. Um, and I basically covered the entire Atlanta market, which was about at that time, about 80 or so branches. Um, and I just worked with with branch managers and business bankers of just figuring out how to get business to come through the doors without waiting for it to come through the doors. So through events, uh, through, you know, community outreach, different things like that. Um, that was a um, had a real good ride with that in corporate. Um, at that time, I invested in my my sister's business called STEM STEM was an idea. My sister uh, was a a technical recruiter and she saw the disparity in jobs that were being given to uh, folks of color. So at that, um, like right when she started it, her son actually um, was going to Morehouse for engineering. And that really, I guess, struck a chord. So she wanted to figure out a way to create more opportunity uh, for people of the black and brown descent. So we started a company called STEM. STEM was a company that uh, worked with, we went through Georgia Tech's uh, Flashpoint, which is their incubator there. That was um, a big help. I was still doing business banking and I invested in the company at that time. And then uh, my company got rid of that title that I was in and they wanted me to move to another title. Um, So we negotiated and I basically took a, I took a severance package that paid me for a year and I 100% jumped on board because they had, you know, the startup like up and going, but they really didn't have that business development experience and background. 
So I infused the company with that. We started getting contracts from uh, tech companies because we was focused on like just basically sending more people that look like us out to Silicon Valley because we knew that that was the face of tech at that time. So um, I think our first uh, uh, first uh, contract was with um, SurveyMonkey. Then we moved to other uh, tech companies out in Silicon Valley, all the way to legacy companies like PwC. Um, so that's really like how I kind of got you know started with uh, the whole thing that how me and you met, Nick, when I was um, leading OHUB, HBCU at South by Southwest, and also working very closely with students across the country at all the different universities. Um, actually, how that happened is I partnered with OHUB to do HBCU at South by Southwest. It was technically the second year, but it was the first year we was bringing in the company. So some of the companies that I already worked with, we brought them on and then we just uh, grinded out and we got a bunch of other companies to come on the first year, companies like Pandora, um, Alassian, um, Google, Microsoft, uh, a lot of the companies that were still there, Nick, when you got to Morehouse as well. But that first year was very interesting. We had students from all over the, the country apply to come down to HBCU at South by Southwest. And we were able to take 100 students and the company sponsored the students, basically the students that they would, um, they feel was a good fit to actually hire as well. So that's a little bit how I got from, you know, from being in corporate in the financial world to where I'm at today and um, I don't know if now is the time to kind of talk about what I'm doing now, um, but I have since I've left OHUB, I wanted to focus on the top of the funnel. I know we was getting a lot, you know, for the six years I did STEM and OHUB, we were getting a lot of students in entry level roles at different um, tech companies and legacy companies, um, you know, and it was very impactful, changing people's life when, you know, some of these students were uh, first generation college students, but coming out of school, you know, make $140,000 a year was was a, a big deal and it made a lot of impact. But we noticed that a lot of our students were getting stuck in these entry roles. So because that business was up and going and, you know, we got other people to come in and, and take the college aspect and young professional uh, side of the business and run with it, um, I decided to get on the other end and I started a company called Good People. Good People is basically, um, it's a twist from the term that we use, right? Like, Nick, if I introduced you to someone and I told you because you know that I'm good people, you know, Jim is good people. You kind of know I put a stamp of approval on them. And, and that's like basically like putting a stamp on somebody in our community. Right. Like they're good people. But not only did I want to, um, you know, find good people to to, you know, fill roles, but I wanted to flip the funnel and focus on the top of the house. So like um, executive roles director roles, management roles. I wanted to get more people of color in those positions because those are the people who make the decisions. Those are the people that create the path for those entry level, you know, students coming right out of school and, and young professionals to basically climb that corporate ladder and be able to create wealth through corporations as well. Um, so that's really our focus. We end up start off with just like doing like the executive search and filling roles, but we end up you know, evolving like any startup or any company uh, does, you, you know, you figure out the need of your clients. And since then, we've been doing executive coaching. Uh, we run these courageous conversations with everyone at the company. So like when the whole incident happened with George Floyd, we were able to create uh, a platform for people to just come on and talk about how they feel. Um, our people definitely feel like it was an unsafe space because America is so divided, as we all know, and everybody has their own opinions. But 
we have these opinions without listening to the other side of the table. So until you can listen and hear other people's perspective, you won't be able to have empathy. You won't be able to understand. So we created that in a corporate setting. Um, and then we also created training. So we created our own curriculum where we basically train entry level, um, mid-management to executive suite, all the way up to the CEO. So that's one of the things I've been focused on. We partner with companies like LexisNexis, Relics. We're working with, um, starting a conversation right now with Microsoft. So we're going to kind of bleed into some of those companies that we've been working with, but we're off to a good start. And I started that company back in February 2020, and uh, we're really rolling right now. And we're hiring a lot of people um, in contract roles as of right now to facilitate the training, uh, to recruit for the different positions. So, so far, so good. Yeah, that's really dope. And that's really in-depth. And I was excited to hear about some of that stuff that you were doing, too. Um, and I might have, like, a question or two about that later on, if we can get to it. Um, yep, just, no really quick, just to kind of go off of the conversation, because you're talking a lot about the housing industry and how your experience with people in that housing industry and tech industry. Just a quick question. What are what is one what is the most positive pattern that you see in that space? And what is the most negative or toxic pattern you see in that space that stand out? Um, which which space? The housing or the or the tech side? Or or actually just in all of those spaces, like is um, me, I personally think that there are certain patterns and um, sy- systemic ways that all of these different end- industries that are really big, like housing, marketing, stock trading, business, tech, and all that stuff, that help it but also hurt it. But it depends on how you look at it. So I was wondering just overall, what what patterns do you see in those that are – positive and negative. Yep. So I, I, the first thing that came to mind is like, okay, like I kind of play double advocate with both sides, right? So just speaking towards our community, our community, um, we know we understand like real estate, right? Like how to flip a house and um, how to, you know, manage uh, renters and uh, Airbnb and things of that sort. And I, and I personally, you know, we're here in Atlanta. Um, I know a lot of people that have um, done really well in, in, in that space. Um, but it's something that I really feel like it's kind of easy to understand. If, you, if you're going to go do the research and you're going to look into it, I'm, I mean, I know people that are really in depth with it that do well. And I know people that just kind of do it on the side and they do really well. Um, so that's one of those things that I feel like our community has uh, embraced. We accept it and we, we realize that that's, you know, one of the ways that we can build wealth. Now, I will say, while I'm still on the housing side, that a lot, uh, a lot more of us need to be uh, introduced to it and educated on the different ways of building wealth. But um, there are definitely some barriers, um, but the barriers in the housing market is, to me, um, they kind of, a lot of those walls have been broken down, kind of like legacy companies compared to tech companies, right? Legacy companies have been hiring black and brown folks for so long that HR has kind of built a lot of filters and different things like that to make those spaces a little bit more safe than like a startup, you know, our tech company uh, of people from a different culture that are not familiar with our culture whatsoever. So that's moving to the tech side. And then also to kind of even speak on the topic of, of group economics, 
um, you know, we've been trying to get a lot of black and brown folks to kind of understand um, how to invest in, in tech companies. You know, as um, over the last couple of years, um, our community has been introduced to uh, crowdfunding, uh, right? But what I realize is that a lot of people don't really understand about tech investment and what that looks like and how it looks, right? It's no different than real estate. You need to diversify your investments. Like all of my investments are not in tech. All of my investments are not just in real estate. They're, they're in stocks, they're in cryptocurrency. You want to diversify yourself because if one market goes to hell in a handbasket, you want to know that you, you know, have enough margin in these other industries or these other investments that it still sustains you. Um, so in tech, a lot of our people don't understand the investment aspect whatsoever. And, it, and, and it's very understandable, right? It's a new market, um, a new industry, I should say. Um, I really, I mean, it's been around since the 80s, but we are starting to creep through the door. A lot of the investors that you see that, um, you know, are black and brown in that, um, in that industry that are investing are people that were entertainers. You know, like a lot of the basketball players that played for Golden State, they're in Silicon Valley. So, you know, they're hanging around these people that are moving and shaking in the tech industry and they're learning, man, I need to invest in, you know, in these, in the, uh, become an angel investor and invest in these companies. But it's really harder to understand that, you know, you almost need to invest in like, if you, you start a fund, you want to invest in about 20 different companies, right? Because really only takes one or two for you all to do really well when you're coming in on the angel, um, annual investment level. Um, and again, just a lot of people don't, you know, understand that. And there's a lot of things that I've learned since I told you that I got, you know, into the space, you know, six years ago, that is no way that I would know it if I wouldn't have been just indulged in the space and, you know, working in uh, Tech Square and, um, you know, partnering with all these different universities that put a major focus on um, the innovation economy. Um, so, I think that we need to, um, there's a huge barriers, right? There's barriers to get in at these companies. A lot of people are, um, they're hiring people that look like them. They went to the university they went to. Even here in Atlanta, a lot of the tech companies are stem from Georgia Tech, right? And they look for, their black and brown diversity is probably coming from Georgia Tech. And they almost feel like that's a safer place for me to recruit because these kids are used to being in a, uh, I, I don't even think it's fair to say a diverse uh, environment because it's not really diverse. It's, it's predominantly white. This was PWI. But you're familiar with our culture, um, this, that, and the third. I'm not going to name drop any companies, but we've sat down with CEOs of companies and like, you know, why aren't you recruiting at the AUC? And, you know, they say that we're, we're finding a lot of black and brown talent at Georgia Tech, but they went to Georgia Tech and they feel comfortable with that. They don't feel like it's going to shake up their... Um, you know, the environment that they created. So it was a lot of walls that needed to be to be tore down. But to answer your question, barriers lie in the education side of it. Um, are people being educated and understanding it thoroughly? But not, you know, you don't have to have a PhD in it. You know what I mean? You just want to know enough to understand what you're doing with your money and why you're doing it. Um, and, and, the, and the good thing is that, you know, we have been involved in the housing market. Again, Nick, we live in Atlanta. You know, I know you're from Miami. Um, there's a lot of black folks that are doing well in, in understanding these industries. But as a whole, when I travel and we were you know, doing a lot of good work in Kansas City and California, even in New York, right, these major cities, our people, um, they're just being shut out. They're being left out. And that's the reason why we're doing the work that we're doing in those different communities. 
Right. That was a really good explanation and just gives a lot of insight to the barriers and things like that. Um, we do have some time left, so I really do want to kind of transition into just a really a deep question. Not necessarily deep, but I'm interested in your response to this. So basically, uh, pretty uh, there's a lot of different definitions of what group economics is, and a lot of people look at it differently, and many definitions have certain nuances. But to me, I, I feel like a really good definition is the production, consumption, and transfer of wealth for the benefit of a certain group or group of individuals as a definition for group economics. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely does. Um, um, so, oh, my bad. I just want to say, so my question is, um, do you agree with that um, definition and how do you feel like group economics itself and that definition ties into creating a social justice initiative or how does that affect that line of our community? Got it. Um, so, yeah, I do agree with the, the definition. Um, I think that, uh, you know, group economics um it can it can go into more detail depending on like you know who you're talking to because a lot of it is basically you know goods and services within our community like us just keeping it within our community and we've been talking about that for a long time um we have seen it go to work you know in places like black wall street and uh, Harlem renaissance renaissance um different things like that and and even now to be quite honest with you like you know organizations like OHUB and you know, there's a lot of organizations around the country where we're really trying to uh, focus on like, you know, working with each other and making sure that the community is eating. And then what I mentioned earlier about, um, you know, part of it is also like, like the, um, you know, one part of uh, group economics is individual to communal, right? And the other part of it is, you know, community to community. So like, you know, that's kind of going back to like the crowd uh, sourcing right? Like maybe you're not, you don't have the skill set or whatnot, um, you know, to, to really create a product that we can bring to other communities as a community, but you can invest in someone that you believe in, in the community and still make money within your community. Um, and, and that's a, a big part of it. And that's kind of like the way I started my business. Um, I know how hard it is to go from business to consumer and how much money it takes to really market. When you think about like a lot of these, you know, uh, uh, tech platforms and, and, and tech companies, like a lot of the kids that used to come through the, um, you know, we, we basically had an uh, uh, incubator at Morehouse with the OHA lab and all the different entrepreneurs coming in there. But the majority of the first thing that I hear from a lot of young entrepreneurs is like, I'm looking for an investor, right? Um, and they don't understand that, you know, the best investor is yourself. People want to see that you invest in yourself first, whatever it is, like, a high, you know, whatever blood and sweat and tears you put in your company, you can't expect anybody else to do it if you're not doing it. But then to take it a step further, I think that us as a people, as a whole, we need to really like just focus on, on um, you know, working together. Like if you're a, you're a tech person, 
I'm not. I'm a go-to-market person. Right. I want to bring, you know, this is another way of group economics that we did there at Morehouse. It's like, I want to bring those two together, right? Because what was happening is you were trying to create a company on your end, but you didn't really have the skill set to bring that to um, to market, but you had the skill set to create something from nothing using technology. And then the guy on the other side that does have that skill set, he's trying to figure out how to create an app. His app is, is, is crappy. You know what I mean? He's trying to figure out how to do something without a lot of money is like bringing, you know, us together in our community to work on projects together that can go to the larger market, right? Go to the, the overall market, the global market. Um, so that's the community to community group ep- economics that I like to focus on as my company. I went straight to business to business because the marketing dollars to reach a bunch of individuals, you know, I had to get the money invested in me that black folks are not getting invested. In. So we got to work with what we have um, and take it to the market. And I know I kind of went off on a tangent. So remind me the, the last part of the question that you wanted to finish up with. Nick. Um, well, that was a pretty beautiful explanation. Um, the last part of my question, I was just asking, uh, well, I was asking what's, how that ties into our community. So you pretty much answered it perfectly. Um, okay. We do have a little bit of time left. So I do want to say, um, how do you think that we as a black people, because you've talked about um, our, we need to work together to build these projects. Um, do you believe that mainly we need to work on our communication with each other in order to create that? Um, I mean, communication is, is big, period, in any type of business, any type of relationship, people don't understand business relationships is no different than, you know, girlfriend, boyfriend relationships or friend relationship. Um, so I do think we need to communicate, but we need to educate each other. And um, one of the issues we have as a community, and this stems all the way back, you know, to slavery, right? Like we didn't have a lot of opportunities. So a lot of what we still see to this day is when someone in our community gets opportunity, they want to hold it over here to themselves. They don't want you know, you know, they look at the community as competition and, and not to say that, you know, you may not create competition, but competition is healthy. And there's always going to be competition in any industry that is thriving. Um, so why not, you know, educate and communicate those things with your brothers and your sisters um, that are also going through the exact same struggle that you and your family have been through just through, you know, our, our history in, in this country. So I think communication is really big. Um, I also think that exposure is is the biggest. I think that we have to work on exposing um, the youth uh, and adults. Like we don't want to leave them out. We don't want them to, you know, adults to feel like it's too late for them to kind of, you know, figure out, you know, this real American dream that we see, you know, at the forefront that we can really take advantage of right now. Um, but it's important that we start exposing you know, students at a much younger age to things like group economics and things like um, crowdfunding. And like, we have to figure out how to get what we want to get on our own. It's enough of us to do that. We spend so much money with other communities every single day. Um, We spend so much money on foolishness that is not going to, you know, benefit us at all beyond the moment. Um, So it's, it's, it's really important that we do start I feel like this is an era, man, that is so woke and 
Um, a lot of the young people that I've worked with and the young people in general and just black people as a whole are really interested in knowledge and, and feeding their mind and understanding things. So I think we have a huge opportunity right now to really uh, connect the dots uh, with, with, with group economics. I have been hearing it my entire life, but I feel like now more than ever, we're that close to actually getting somewhere that is going to sustain and not just be for the moment, not just be one generation. I think that we're at that place and your generation is going to take it to the next level, but we're at that place where we can really create generational wealth. And it is going to start with education, communication, and exposure. That was really awesome, my bad. But yes, that was really awesome. I appreciate that. Um, we are out of time. Uh, definitely me and you are going to talk more. Uh, I know we've both been really busy, but I want to, again, thank you again for the interview. Um, so as an outro, everybody, this has been the, been the More Conversations podcast by the Andrew Young Center for Global Leadership at Morton College.